Hi, everyone. Welcome back to FreightWaves Global Supply Chain Week. Uh, I'm John Gallagher, Senior Editor at FreightWaves. Joining me in this fireside chat is Tom Madrecki. Tom is Vice President of Supply Chain for the Consumer Brands Association. Um, and as an association representing major food, beverage, household, and personal care manufacturers, Tom has some unique insight into both the global and domestic supply chains. Tom also has some strong connections here in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. So we're going to try to take take advantage of some of that insight this morning. Tom, welcome and thanks for joining us today. John, it's always good to be on. I'm looking forward to being part of the week. Excellent. So just to, as a, a, to, to start out with a, just a, a broad question, Tom, what, what, do you, what do you see as the biggest uh, threat to global supply chains right now? I mean, I've said this again, I think it continues to be the case. But frankly, it's just like inaction at this point, right? Like we hear a lot about supply chain. Supply chains were like the front page news, big buzzword of the last couple of years. Consumers are concerned about what's on the shelf or what's not on the shelf. Um, are they waiting for uh, any number of things, whether it's consumer packaged goods, the ones that we, you know, we manufacture in our industry or their, uh, you know, their exercise bike or whatever else they were waiting for, for it to arrive um on a, on, a, on a cargo ship um so we've heard again and again about this need to build stronger and more resilient supply chains and then when it actually comes you know when the rubber meets the road is anything actually changing yes we're investing in semiconductors yes we're investing uh in, in certain targeted industries but we're not actually fixing some of the systemic issues that continue to plague the industry and, and hold us back from like true competitiveness and so that means being able to address uh, transportation uh, sort of inadequacy, right? The lack of truck drivers on the road, uh, the, the shortages in terms of like actually being able to really utilize the full capacity of trucks that are out there. Um, rail performance has continued to decline. Thankfully, we averted a freight rail strike. The only thing worse than declining rail performance is no uh, rail at all. Um, but we're not making some of these systemic uh, real inroads to improve uh, the state of supply chains. We still don't have an office supply chain or sort of like the true oversight and the expertise in government to, to address those issues and understand what it is that we need to fix and, and why. Um, and so there's a real opportunity, I think, going forward to have that more strategic uh, view, whether it's on trade, transportation, um, the sort of labor, any of the issues that ultimately impact the, the competitiveness and performance of the supply chains that we all rely on. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's a good, good starting point. So on so let's let's get into that a little bit. On the, so on the domestic level, um, up on Capitol Hill, I understand that the um, Congressional Supply Chain Caucus was was recently relaunched um, after I guess it started. It was initially started back in 2020. I think just before the pandemic. I think it was February or March 2020, um, and it's been relaunched. Could could you could you talk about some of the things? I know you, you, you're you're familiar with it and what's going on there. Could you talk about some of the things you've dis discussed with? Me with members of the of the caucus so far? Well, it's a great group of members. They're, they're members that are really concerned about these issues, you know, whether it's uh, a back home connection, whether they, they feel it when they themselves go to the grocery store, or they, see, they see it firsthand. And so um, it's, it's co-chaired by Representative David Rouser from North Carolina, a new co-chair replacing Rodney Davis, uh, who lost his reelection, but um, Dusty Johnson, from South Dakota has come in as a, as a new sort of voice on this. Of course, Dusty was very instrumental in the passage of the Ocean Shipping Reform Act. Um, 
he's someone that cares deeply about these issues, both for the agricultural interests in his state, as well as, you know, some of the sort of the, the connectivity to, to the rest of the country. Um, and so we're really excited that Dusty is now going to be a co-chair. And then the Democrat side, um, Angie Craig from Minnesota and then Colin Allred from Texas, each of them in their own way, um, I think, bring a lot to the table. They're looking to grow the caucus. There's other members of Congress that are working on these issues. Um, folks like Lisa Blunt Rochester from Delaware um, recently introduced some legislation on supply chains. I know that the, um, the Republican caucus, Kathy McMorris Rogers and others, um, are very committed to the idea of um, sort of addressing China competitiveness concerns and, and viewing supply chain issues through that lens. So I think that there's going to be real opportunity in this Congress to, to, to tackle some of these issues on a bipartisan basis. And we see the caucus as um, sort of the whiteboarding arena, right, where people can come together, socialize ideas, uh, have thoughtful and intelligent conversations about, uh, you know, putting something out there. And I think that's also um, uh, not to jump ahead in the conversation today, but um, you have folks like Dusty who have also recently introduced pieces of legislation like the Ship It Act. And so that's where some of these ideas can gain traction across uh, different constituencies in Congress, build support for and momentum for um, causes like that that are that are well intentioned, they're practical solutions, uh, and they stand to ultimately improve, uh, you know, the nation's supply chain. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and and so yeah, you, you mentioned the Sh- the Ship It Act, um, which was introduced a couple of weeks ago. Um, bipartisan, uh, I, I believe, uh, Dusty Johnson and John. Garamendi, I believe, Jim Costner. Right, right. So, so I mean, that's I guess that's a good a good way to start a bill. Um, uh, uh, what could, could you just um, mention what the major provisions of that are, Tom, and and how they can benefit your members? Yeah, sure thing. And I, I especially with you know pieces of legislation, everything comes with an acronym in Washington. Um, Ship It Act is one that I have to be very careful in in how I say it and being very intentional about saying it the correct way, um, but. <laughs> Um, it does, I think, it, Dusty's point of view on it, and Jim, I know, is, as well, um, the idea was to basically take all of the good ideas that have been discussed in Congress, in, in the past Congress, and in recent uh, memory, around trucking, truckers, um, quality of life concerns, and really just pull it all into one um, piece of legislation. So this is legislation that it, um, has, uh, you know, uh, funding opportunities and, and sort of invest in truckers themselves for, for training. Uh, it includes uh, truck parking provisions. It includes opportunities to, to pilot and, and, and use, um, you know, the full capacity of trucks that are on the road and, and really just like understand how that interacts with our roadways. Um, so I think that there's a host of different opportunities, all with the idea of driving increased fluidity on our, on our road networks, driving performance, um, you know, things like truck parking, it benefits truckers. It also ultimately means that goods are going sort of an aggregate, right? You're adding capacity back to the, to the system because the system is running more efficiently. Um, and so this is something that benefits shippers, benefits truckers. We see it as a win-win uh, for really all the stakeholders across the supply chain. Yeah. Um, and so what, what is the, what, what do you see as the appetite for, I mean, it's, it's hard to predict, obviously, these things, but given the climate in Washington, good or good or bad for something like a transportation legislation, is it, do you see this as, as moving? Um, I, I mean, I think that you're, you're right to sort of pick up on the, um, there's always like hesitation. Like you have a divided Congress. People know that there's going to be back and forth. There's bickering. 
there, there are some issues that actually might see some level of agreement, right? And, and, it's, and supply chains, I think, thankfully, are one of those that it, it impacts all consumers, it impacts all constituencies. And so maybe there's some sort of collective buy-in and support for moving those across the finish line. Um, I think that the sense that I've gotten from uh, Dusty and Jim's office is that uh, they're considering, uh, you know, this is a flag in the ground. It's something that you you build support around um, from uh, other members of Congress being able to, to sign on, say that they support it. Uh, it's the likely to move and it's part of a bigger package that would be outlined by the Transportation Infrastructure Committee in the coming months. I know that Dusty alluded that, to that actually on the other day, um, that he's working with Representative Graves, the chair of, of the TNI committee, to uh, you know, sort of uh, on a broader supply chain package. I know that that's a similar conversation that's happening in other committees. And so I do get a sense that uh, you're likely to see uh, Republicans and, and Democrats work together on some of these issues, um, as long as they stay sort of germane enough to that issue of, of supply chain competitiveness, being practical, which I think is the other benefit of uh, legislation like the Ship It Act, where it's tangible. It's not just like throwing money and lighting it on fire. Um, it's, it's it's changing policy to ultimately change something about how the supply chain operates. And so I think it, it's helpful that it is something that people in the room can be like, oh, the, the, I can see how that would make, make a difference. Um, yeah. And there's still room for that in Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of a big bill, also um, ocean ocean shipping reform, too, going back onto, you know, more global type supply chains versus domestic, you know, that's, that's going to be on the table from what I understand as well, um, I guess, Oster 2.0, I think. Like a, two, like, a, like a 2.0 version that's sort of, I think, trying to clarify some of the implementation of it. Um, in certain respects, the Federal Maritime Commission, I think, has taken that legislation and, and started down good paths. Other cases, maybe it, it hasn't lived up to, uh, and, and that could just come down to like wording changes, things of that nature, right? Like just trying to really uh, take it to that next level. Uh, I think there's also opportunities to address issues like this. I mentioned the declining rail performance. Um, but there's still some of these issues that have to be addressed. And, and there's a, certainly an appetite for taking, uh, you know, taking those opinions into consideration uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and when you were mentioning rail reform, you mean that that could be part of this bigger um, supply chain package that comes out? I- yeah, and I can't I can't speak to what uh, the TNI committee wants to ultimately do. I think with that broader package, um, but it is one of those issues that we're looking to raise uh, and continue to sort of keep front and center. Right, that what happens sometimes right is that you have this this big kerfuffle or this big sort of outpouring of like oh, everybody's concerned about the state of rail because there's an impending strike. You miss the fact that over the last several years, performance has declined and declined and declined. That issue still exists. Um, it hasn't been resolved. Um, and so we have to also, uh, you know, be proactive uh, at times. So we have to sort of keep that conversation going. Uh, and that's really the voice. Like, that's why um, consumer brands and other shipping organizations or shipper, folks that represent the shipping community uh, continue to bang that drum a little bit as relates to whether it's rail, whether it's trucking, whether it's ocean and maritime issues. Like these issues still exist, even if they're not front page news. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and I was Again, sw- switching switching back, sorry, going back and forth here a bit, but um, uh, going back to trucking, uh, th- there were um, a, a couple of, w- w- what do you see as any any priorities, just, you know, 
focusing on, on trucking in terms of regulation or deregulation on trucking, I think I think you brought up before um, truck size and weight might be something that's that, that's brought up again. Yeah, and, and so the, um, there's uh, they mentioned this pilot program as part of the Ship It Act um, on the on the deregulation or sort of regulation front. One of the other aspects of that uh, legislation is also looking at when um, FMCSA in an emergency setting. So like during the, the COVID pandemic, you saw a lot of emergency rulemakings. Uh, there's now sort of uh, you know, concern, I think, in some circles that, well, when, how and when can you use that emergency rulemaking? What are the safety concerns? What are the, and we want to provide uh, clarity to that process. We want to ensure that FMCSA has all of the, the tools in its uh, toolkit that are available to them when an emergency arises, right, that they can actually... Uh, lean on those declarations, the ability to have emergency rulemaking authority. We want to provide them that flexibility to respond and also just like clarify that process for the long haul. Um, and so that's, that, that's some of this regulatory aspect is baked into that legislation. Right. And they're looking at from FMC is looking at that now that changing that emergency. I think the comments are, are in and they're looking at the comments on um, whether that should be. It, it looked like there was a lot of um, pushback about in certain aspects of um, Try, trying to do away with some of the or take, taking away the state governor's ability to um, be flexible in how they handle those emergencies. I think they want to go, you know, from thirty days to five days of how, how long they last. Well, I, I think we have to be like very clear in like any of this, right? Like nobody in the, no supply chain stakeholder is like less safety or like no, like we want the system to work. We want it to be safe. We want it to be efficient. We also want to ensure that government has the flexibility to respond if, and, and, and hopefully not, but like there will be another emergency in the future. Um, government needs the ability and the authority to do something about that. It can't be hamstrung by itself uh, just because certain groups didn't like how something like actually proceeded during COVID. So um, then we want to provide that flexibility and then also, yeah, ensure safety, ensure flexibility, ensure efficiency. Now, now Congress is also going to be looking at um, trying to overturn a lot of things this year and, and, and from things that particularly affect trucking um, to overturn the, the um, EPA's uh, NOx emission rule that was put in place uh, and, and announced back in December. Now, you know, a lot of independent truckers, you know, and small business um, carriers are, are are opposed to that rule just because it adds a lot of, of, of they, they see it as adding costs to, you know, either retrofitting or buying new trucks. And, you know, that can be um, passed down the supply chain to, 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 to potentially your members. Um, so they, they obviously would be happy with overturning that. Where, where do you stand on that? How do you, how, how do you see it, Tom? It's not an issue that we as consumer brands have weighed in heavily on um, it's something that we track, we're aware of. Um, and across the board, the way that I look at some of these regulations, and there's this is just like one example of it, right? But there are many, many friction points across the board as it relates to supply chain. Um, so as you know, in terms of rolling back policies that ultimately just add time, cost, complexity to doing business, I don't think that anybody supports that. Um, in terms of prioritization, at least I get the sense from our membership, it's not something that we again we're like we're actively weighing in on and engaging. I think there's respective groups that are, um, but I, I think that if you look at the current makeup of Congress, um, there is certainly an interest in looking at what are some of those regulatory and 
legal barriers that have been set up to doing business well in this country? Um, and how do you reform that environment such that supply chains and businesses can uh, be more efficient, run better? Um, I think everybody wants to see that. Sure. Um, well, so I'll sort of wrap up here with, um, you know, we just had the State of the Union um, uh, just recently. And uh, was there anything from a policy standpoint, Tom, that, um, you know, in, that might have encouraged you, you know, from from a supply chain perspective? Um, or, or, or was there anything um, left out that raised a, raised a red flag for you? Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, it was great when watching the State of the Union to hear how many times the president says the word supply chain, right? Like that's music to my ears. Um, you go back to a couple of years ago, I don't think that everyone would have been the case. I used to joke that I had the least sexy job in Washington. Um, but now like your president, supply chain, supply chain, supply chain. It is great to hear the administration uh, and the president and Congress um, affirm that supply chain issues are of paramount concern. Um, that this is something that's pressing, whether it's because of China, whether it's because of uh, the impact on consumers and inflation, right? Like this is an issue that we need to, to wrap our arms around. Um, and I think that we've demonstrated throughout the COVID pandemic that we are, have been great partners to the administration as it relates to the launch of initiatives such as the Freight Logistics Optimization Works uh, or the Flow Initiative, uh, really trying to leverage data sharing to drive some supply chain performance um, also looking at how they stood up the supply chain disruptions task force, like trying to be that uh, like funnel or like gatekeeper, like here's here's a bunch of good ideas by the administration for you to take and run with. Um, and we look to continue to do that. I think that an opportunity that is maybe missed and has been missed by the administration where they could uh, sort of redouble efforts is actually around trade. Um, if you think about the Biden administration's trade policy strategy and what they've outlined I can't actually tell you what it is because it's actually more of just a continuation of Trump era tariffs. And there hasn't been a lot of work on trade. Um, there's a little dabbling in sort of Indo, um, you know, Pacific uh, economic framework. Um, but there there isn't like a, a fully fledged comprehensive trade strategy that does tie back to how do our supply chains interact with uh, China or how do our, our, you know, how do we relate to the UK or other countries? Um, how do we do, do we just. You know, can we do less on heavy-handed tariffs that are really just a tax on consumers? Can we lessen inflation by reducing some of those? And can we replace it with a more uh, artful, strategic, long-term vision of, of growing trade exports, facilitating um, a more seamless flow of goods and services? Uh, I think that's a real opportunity for the administration and for Congress to lean hard into trade in this environment. Um, trade is not a four-letter word, uh, fun fact. Uh, and we could be certainly uh, saying it more and doing it more. Um, and that's something that we'd really like to see. Gotcha. Gotcha. OK, well, that, great. That was, um, you know, it was a quick conversation, but you offered some really good insight in what's going on and what to look for. So really appreciate you, you taking the time, Tom, to um, talk with us and um, I hope you have a great year this year. Awesome. Well, it's always a pleasure to jump on, John. Um, looking forward to it. Sounds great. And thanks again, everyone, for joining us.